This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. Organizational psychologist and CEO of Osaik Hetal Doshi is online with me today, which means it's another episode of Psychology at Work. And today it is part four of our five-part series on succession planning. Now, Hetal, welcome back. Uh, it's been a while since we had you on. You've been busy, busy, busy. Thank you so much, Audrey, for having me back. So um, this is um, part four of our five-part series and I understand today we're going to be covering catapulting your career or fast-tracking your future as a CEO and also how to increase your readiness as a CEO. So I guess we are now on the flip side of the coin. We've always been talking about what organizations need to do you know, when it comes to um, making the right choice uh, for their next CEO, but now it's about how to prepare yourself to be a CEO, correct? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's it's like a it's like a marriage, right? Uh, somebody searching for the right person, but you're also getting yourself ready to be that right person that gets selected. So yeah, um, succession planning has to work hand in hand with CEO development. All right. So you know, where do we begin? Let's start with the six career catapults to fast tracking your future as a CEO. Right. Um, I think these days, more than ever, we have more CEOs and more people running businesses and companies than we've ever had in the history of our lives. So everybody is interested in being entrepreneurial um, and having that that chance and that opportunity to be the next big CEO. So I think this is a really cool topic. Uh, there are two things that I'd like to get into. The career trajectory, um, if you look at a lot of... Uh, so this is all evidential-based. Um, as you look back on um, CEOs who have gotten to that position in the fastest period of time, there are two factors that have a multiplier effect. So these two things work hand in hand and compound each other. Number one, getting the right role. So please don't choose the wrong role for yourself. I think uh, it's not only about cognitive or logical thinking about what's good for you, but there should be an instinctive understanding that this is the right rule for you. If you feel the wrong role for you, it's probably wrong for you as well. So don't, mm. don't be afraid to turn down something uh, and just go for it because you feel that it's got the CEO title. The second thing is getting noticed for those results. So um, when organizations, a particular client was talking about how uh, within their organization, the employees are starting to say, what is this visibility, visibility that you all keep talking about? Mm. Um, but yeah, nobody is going to know what you're doing until and unless you know how to make yourself visible and how to communicate what it is that you're doing such that it is appreciated. Um, so like cooking biryani, for example, right? it could be just cooking biryani. But when you tell the story about how you cook it and what makes it have the flavor, the essence, uh, where did you get the ingredients from? Who are those people? That you got? Once you begin to tell the story, you begin to get noticed more and more. And there's a lot more depth in that for you. And it's almost like selling wine, right? Like you could sell wine at 79 ringgit or you could sell it at like 790 ringgit. And it's all about that story, all about noticing more and more of what it is that you're doing. Uh, and to those people, to anyone who's thinking right now that catapulting your career can be done without visibility, good luck to you because, um, you know, it's the world of social media. It's the world of um, not necessarily blowing your trumpet, but knowing for others to know that you actually have a trumpet. Mm. It's not necessarily blowing your trumpet, but you, everybody has a trumpet and everybody is trying to blow it. Everybody should be known for what trumpet it is that they're blowing. So these two things have to work hand in hand. And um, yeah, going forward, maybe in the rest of the conversation, we talk, can talk about six things that meet both of these criteria, the right roles, but also being visible as you go along with it. 
Okay, so let's start with number one then. Okay, number one, go small to go big. Uh, this is very counterintuitive. A lot of people think it's about the next big one, the next big one, the next big one. I'm just going to talk a, a little bit about a client who made a decision on going from a role of head of an organization to then taking a smaller managerial role uh, within a particular business from a digital perspective. So uh, she was head of business development and she moved into uh, just leading a digital part of one of the many businesses. So she had taken like a little bit of a dip, not, not a little bit, like she used to get visibility at the top, but she went lower and she took on a uh, technology and digital role uh, that is N minus two, so two levels below that. But because she had done that, um, she had equipped herself to really, really understanding the nitty gritty of uh, technology and digitalization that she knew that the organization was struggling with in every board meeting. They were not able to get the organization to where they were at. So she took two levels down to find out what was really going on. Um, and because she had a strong grasp on it, and her background before that was with regards to leading teams and stuff. So she's leading teams, understanding the details. And through that, she catapulted right up back to the top, but in a technology and a digitalization role, which majority of people know is, you know, you get paid a lot more for that. <laughs> uh, and your next big role is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as well. Because she, from her lens, she knew that digitalization technology was going to be a very critical part. People were not getting it right. And she wanted to go down, get her hands dirty, understand the degree and because she did so successfully, she got the next big role within her organization, um, which was back up to that certain level, but in, in digital and technology. And then the next big tech companies were starting to get her in as well. And now she runs her own company where she is the CTO and the co-founder as well. She's phenomenal, right? So it's not necessarily about like the feeling that you're going into a smaller space, but the feeling that this is the right space for you to get into for the next big leap and the next big leap and the next big leap. And there's no shame there's none of that because it's just the next big thing, yeah. but it has to be smaller. Yeah, it's it as a learning process, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And what I loved about what she had said was that it wasn't the next big step, but it was definitely the next right step for me. Right. Yeah. So, what is the second uh, career catapult? So the next one, um, the next one, I feel relates a lot to me and an experience that I had, and it's called big leaps. Big leaps uh, was, you know, a phrase that I was told to by one of my ex-bosses when I really felt that I couldn't do the next big project that he had pushed me towards was, Ital, you're in an ocean. There are many other people in this ocean and this wave is coming up and it's either you're going to duck and you're going to go under it or it's time to take your surfboard out and I'm going to be there. I'm going to help you, but just ride this. Uh, big leaps can be very, very scary because they are way, way bigger, way, way better. Um, and you feel that you might not be able to achieve it. And um, the idea here is to learn how to make your own luck out of that particular experience and to just trust that somehow you'll be able to use all of the experiences that you've had and apply it. And maybe it's not that big after all. It's just about applying it in a bigger a bigger, bigger. Uh, context of sorts, mm. but it's, just, it's really the same thing. It's just a bigger context. So make a habit of saying yes to greater opportunities, whether you are ready or not. Um, and obviously, when it comes to taking big leaps, it's always great to have big supporters as well. So there must be a reason why somebody thinks that you can take that. And there has to be this 
belief in yourself just to say that maybe I don't know that I'm capable and somebody can see that and then just go for it. Because this is also what makes you very visible because you could be taking two steps ahead or you could be taking a project which is 10x or 10 times bigger. Um, this is not only a role that is you know bigger and better, but something that will definitely make you a lot more visible as well. Um, a bit counterintuitive with regards to what you need to do to enjoy and be successful in a big leap, but definitely can be done. Uh, so good luck to those of you who are currently getting like a big leap opportunity. Uh, wish you deep, big, deep breaths. <laughs> so what's the third one? Let's try and squeeze in the third one before we take a break. Um, I love this one. I think, um, you know, apparently according to research, a lot of women get into this. This is called inheriting a big mess. Right. <laughs> so there's a big mess that goes on. So for example, I remember a client that had a procurement department and in that procurement department, there was a lot of mess that was going on. They were whistleblowing. They were being, being caught by, um, it's the Malaysian MACC. MACC, yeah. yeah so we, you know, they're being interrogated by them and stuff like that. I don't want to get into being, you know, gender difference and stuff like that. So, But there is a huge uh, uh, research that goes into women typically get into positions where they inherit big messes, just like uh, Germany and Markel as well. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, so this new lady takes on and she inherited a big mess and everybody thought that, yeah, this is just going to go down. The organization's going to go down. She did a phenomenal job because uh, I guess, yeah, Women can do messier stuff better, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think she was very, very calm. She was comfortable in messiness. She had a beautiful way of co- having conversations about why it was messy. She was able to make the mess become clear. She was able to take the clarity into uh, the next future steps of how to predict the growth of the organization. Um, and she had just a flair of being able to converse about uh, erroneous pasts and potential possibilities in the future and work together with many different stakeholders to make that much better as well. So messy situations cry out for strong leadership and potentially some level of feminine energy as well. I'm not saying mm. that men cannot do this, but feminine energy to understand what is the chaos and have a very nurturing approach towards getting everybody out of there as well. I might be getting myself into a lot of trouble but um, yeah, if you do let, look at the research, typically uh, women do end up getting more of a messy job. Uh, but they tend to be, I guess, the ones that people feel could do a great job in such circumstances as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and why is, you know, inheriting a big mess uh, a way for you to kind of catapult your career? I mean, like, the, does it just right. prepare you better for the next one? I think it's because everybody would assume that you're going to fail, right? And um, the idea here is that there's a lot of attention that is going on over there because it's messy, yada, yada. But then getting notice as you are progressing and making things better is a 10x level of being noticed because majority of people are betting on you failing. But if you take this in the right way and you're doing the right thing, um, and I I guess there are certain ministers uh, right now in the government, some politicians that are doing exactly that. They're doing it slow but they're doing it really well and they're getting noticed as being very, very credible, very strong leaders. And, you know, if you can do well in chaos, you can definitely do well in good times as well. So the visibility is like almost 10 times more as well in these, in these circumstances. Right. 
Okay, it is time for us to take a quick break for some messages. But when we come back, we uh, cover the last three career catapults to fast-tracking your future. We'll also touch on how to increase your readiness as a CEO. All that and more happening on Psychology at Work with our organizational psychologist and CEO of Osai Ketel Doshi. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Business, finance, and music. BFM 89.9. You are listening to Resource Center. It is Psychology at Work on Resource Center uh, this Tuesday morning. I have online with me, as usual, organizational psychologist and CEO of OSYC, Hethel Doshi. And we are covering the six career catapults to fast tracking your future as a CEO. Now, Hetel, we are on catapult number four. What is it? Um, visibility with the right people. So getting yourself ready um, and being visible with the right people will be very, very critical because everybody will judge you based on by association. So mm. who are you sitting next to? Who are you talking more to? Yada, yada, yada. So there are three things when it comes to picking the right people or three categories of the people that you'd like to connect with. One is pick your boss. So if you really feel that you cannot get along with your boss and you really feel that this is going to be an absolute disaster and your instinct is telling you, please like gently, you know, take a few steps backwards and then run away because <laughs> your boss is going to be your biggest stakeholder and the biggest, uh, you know, dance that you're going to be having uh, for, for the future. So pick your right boss um, or make your boss the right person for you as well through uh, relationships and relationship building. Second thing would be to build your tribe. Uh one of the things that I think is a huge missed opportunity for a lot of potential CEOs is that in the past, they probably have been uh, working vertically. So they, they are very protective of their own departments. But when it comes to tribing, I think tribing should be a horizontal thing where you begin to tribe across all of your competitors. So your tribe should be made out of people who you typically may end up having competition with, but they are also the exact same people who will give you all the information for you to grow uh, by as well. So unfortunately, what I'm noticing with a lot of the organizations that we work for is that the tribe is more vertical than horizontal. We are a lot more protective and we enjoy being with our own. But a tribe really should be across the board. People who are different from you, people who are better, people who are your competitors and immediately get into a space where you, even though you're uncomfortable, try to make them your tribe as well. And the third thing would be to build your bonfire. So pick your boss or build your boss. If you can't pick your boss, build your boss up to be who it is that you want him to be or her to be. Build your tribe, which should be something that is more horizontal, competitors, people that you're uncomfortable with but are very, very crucial for your growth and who will tell you as is. And then lastly, build a bonfire, which is community. Um, nothing more important than community these days. And a bonfire is basically like a place where it is a circle and you are not the most important person but you're just letting everybody feel as if your presence is something that makes them want to be continued uh, in the form of a circle and everybody can talk to you as an equal. And one of the ways that I've seen one of my clients who I, I really, really think is just amazing at uh, building bonfire is that he goes, whenever he goes to the mosque, um, like he, he will always find time to make sure that he's walking with everybody and he typically will remove his slippers when he walks as well. So he walks on the road without his slippers. 
And he takes it as if he's going on a pilgrimage already, like without slippers and stuff like that. And the people around him are the people that, you know, when, when people see him removing his slippers and walking, they feel like, ah, oh, this is a guy I can chat with. Like he's so mm. informal and stuff like that. Having that communal spirit and being completely informal and knowing that you are equal to everybody else. Uh, he was telling me that actually majority of the things that he needs to hear about that, are, that is untold to him, uh, but but he's being sensed on the ground, is told to him when he's walking to the mosque, when he's not wearing his slippers and when he's walking back as well. Um, and the same way, like, you know, there are certain CEOs where they do not sit in their office. They sit literally in the middle of the most packed area yeah. in the organization and they're building a bonfire over there. Everybody's sitting around them. There's no nervousness. There's no anxiety. Uh, he or she knows everybody's names and it's uh, as equal or very equal um, of sorts as well. I think that's kind of like super... Like such an awesome feeling, such an awesome feeling just knowing that your boss is sitting around and he or she knows everybody's names and you can talk about anything at that point in time. Yeah, who needs an open door policy when your boss is right next to you, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. So moving on, what is the fifth career catapult? Uh, visibility in the right way. So we were talking about visibility as being critical, but visibility in the right way. I think, Audrey, like you probably would have found that there are CEOs that just rub us off. In the, they, they are visible, but they're just rubbing us off in completely the wrong way. Mm. And even though we're talking about them over dinner, and yeah, you know, PR is PR, you know, as long as you're being talked about, it's good PR, right? There can be no such thing as bad PR. But the, but the things that they talk about or the way that they talk about it is more about themselves and more about protecting the organization or protecting their identity rather than talking about the product or the ideas that are worth sharing. So I think when it comes to visibility in the right way, as much as possible, make yourself less visible and make your ideas more visible, mm. promote and make everybody else, uh, whoever has contributed it, make them visible for it, tag them in your messages, uh, thank them in all of your messages as well. Um, uh, and, and definitely be evidence-based and not opinion-based at all. So have as much evidence to back up what you're saying uh, with regards to stats and also having a call to action as well, like visibility in the right way would be ultimately like, okay, so what do we do from here rather than just talk and talk and talk and talk and stuff like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there are some deaths of CEOs by poor visibility, like natural death of the entire organization, as you can tell, you know, whenever Musk says something, if it's good, uh, organize, his business gets better when he says something nonsensical or like is not appreciated, uh, the business gets impacted as well. He might be doing this out of strategy, but you can tell like there's death of an organization purely based on what what, what and how the CEO shows up uh, with and for. Right. Yeah. right. Okay. And we are down to our last uh, career catapult, um, the sixth one. What is it? Avoid the misstep. So... Um, um, in short, don't be an. Uh, we're on radio, so just don't <laughs> just don't be an and fill in the blank, all right? Uh, because um, your reputation obviously will precede you, and this is really about being uh, reputational damage behind the doors, behind the scenes, right? There was one particular incident that I experienced where um, there was a. a uh, uh, it was a client, but uh, N minus two, yeah? So the client would be the CEO and then the minus two. So prior the training program or the training session where there were about 150 of the top, uh, you know, the, the, the leaders that were involved, before the program started, I noticed that the guy, the manager or the senior manager was actually yelling at the 
person in charge of logistics in the hotel and telling them, you know, how, um, you know, how unintelligent they were and how poorly they, they you know, organized the place and blah, 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 just getting really riled up. And um, there were a lot of people who observed that, who were there, who were seeing that. And then pretty much at the start of the uh, training session, when curtains were opened, um, he was a perfect gentleman. Mm. Mm. Very polished, very, uh, you know, uh, sassy and all of that stuff. So, um, you know, these days people are going to record you or they're going to remember. And um, Word gets around. You know? 100% work gets around and uh, it just makes you lose your credibility completely. Um, you know, things like having affairs, uh, things like uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse, all of these things are just zero tolerance already. And these are things that um, if you're not caught out, it's just a matter of time. It's a ticking bomb. Uh, it will it will happen to you. So basic rudeness or disrespect or, or any kind of offensive behaviours is just not, not tolerable. Um, not horrible at, at all, even if you're apologetic about it. The, the apology may seem to be very fake and, and you're more apologetic about the fact that you got caught rather than you did something uh, wrong as well. And avoiding the missteps, I think, shouldn't be the last part of the catapult. Mm. I think it should be the first part, like just tread carefully all the time as well. Just be a bit cognizant of, of what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Okay, so be authentic and walk the talk. You know, it's not just about what you portray um, during company events or when you're, you know, when there's a PR moment, but, you know, you just have to be yourself and be your authentic self and, like, no missteps at all, correct? Agreed, agreed, right. agreed, agreed. Okay. Yeah. So um, and now that we've gone through the career catapults, is there, uh, I know you have tips to share on how to increase um, your readiness as a CEO. And what does this involve, Hito? Yeah, I think I'm just going to very quickly just share uh, four things that um, would be good. Uh, one, one of the research that we had done was about readiness and how long it takes for uh, a CEO to feel ready in the job. And unfortunately, it takes close to about two years for a CEO to feel very comfortable in the seat that they are sitting on if they had not pre-prepared for that. Mm. But if they were pre-prepared for that, you can kind of already, two months prior to that, you're already in that mode of taking on that seat. Uh, so unfortunately, majority of the clients that we are observing in Malaysia are not pre-prepared. They're kind of thrown into that position and it takes them close to two years and at least one health condition in that two years. Oof. Because it's so scary. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you mean by pre-prepared? What does is, what is this process involve? Um, pre-preparedness would be like, playing a sport right so before you go to olympics you are trained to be in the olympics right mm. so you do scenarios you do simulations you're pretty much shadowing you're almost already doing the job you're almost already doing the job before you get into the job uh, yeah. rather than being thrown into the job and then after that like figuring out how you're going to get it done so i think that's why succession planning is very very crucial that the pre-preparedness or rather what we call the personal readiness to be able to get in there is is very 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 uh, is the most critical thing. It, mm. You can feel that sense of um, shakiness when a person is not prepared and doesn't have enough experience, hasn't had enough simulations, haven't had enough training to take on their first speech. Yeah. And, right. and their first direction going forward as well. And uh, that's really messy it, because that one sneeze and the rest of them are going to be catching a cold. Uh, it's, not, it's not cool. It's not smart move at all for organizations. It's not smart move for that person as well. Mm. Okay, so personal readiness uh, is one. What uh, what other ways can you increase your readiness? What what other okay. ways can you pre-prepare yourself? Right. 
right? So experience readiness, I think if you're going to get into an, or a, a, a position of CEO, there are three things that you definitely need to do. Number one, PNL, uh, which is you need to know your accounts, your profit and losses, non-negotiable, doesn't matter where you've come from. It's very, very good to make sure that your, financially, your financial acumen is really, really strong. Second thing would be to try to have a global role as much as possible, be a global person, diversity as much as possible, uh, and put yourself in across diverse cultures as well. And the third thing would be uh, functional flexibility. So you feel that no matter where you go in an organization, you have a format of being able to lead people. Um, yeah, these are three things that you could do to constantly upskill yourself before you get into a position uh, and, and proactively uh, get yourself ready. So um, financial acumen, um, global perspective, and the third one would be business acumen. So wherever you go, you pretty much have a format of how to uh, make a business succeed as well. The third one would be network readiness. We have talked about that as well. So getting your whole tribe ready before you're ready. Or if you're not ready, then you have already created a network chart of all the people that you should be building uh, what we call a ping to a red. Ping to a red means that you don't have a relationship with them or you have a bad relationship and you need to give love. So for therefore pink, uh, all the way to green, which is a great relationship with them. So we have something called a network chart. What is the network that will make your net worth? And what is the colors to decode the quality of that relationship? And what is the strategy to get them from a pink to a red? Um, and lastly, relationship readiness, which is how do you become awesome at all relationships? Um, and there are two things. Uh, one is forgiveness, because when you get into that role, not everybody is going to be happy for you and you might have had rough shoulders with people the wrong way. So starting off with an apology and starting off with a thank you and starting off with uh, please, I need you and um, starting off with I think this is how I can help you, cleaning off a slate and doing like spiritual cleansing to the max because <laughs> like, uh, you may have burnt a lot of bridges may, people are probably not going to be the happiest for you potentially like. if, if there is then you've done a great job so how do you do spiritual cleansing of sorts like? thank you sorry please I love you all of that stuff and uh, the second part would be uh, ego as well breaking down your ego as if it is a coconut that needs to be broken like. and just really putting that side because most CEOs these days really are valued because they don't have an ego. They're just awesome human beings that you can have great chat with. So I think when it comes to relationship readiness, do all of your sorries before you get into the role. Apologize. Say thank you as much as possible and break your ego. Um, yeah. You know, Hetal, I mean, uh, I know that we are discussing how to increase your readiness as a CEO and even the, the, the earlier bits on the catapults, right? How to catapult your career and fast track your future as a CEO. I know it's all for uh, like the, the cream of the crop, the, the, the people in the C-suites, right? But also I feel like there are so many lessons here that you can learn, like just executives or fresh grads going into the workplace. There's so many lessons that we can draw from today's episode that will help you further yourself and climb that career ladder right 100 percent. i think you know it goes back to that notion of like what do you how do you define a leader right mm. so we're talking about ceos but i guess you know that that typical popular notion is that isn't everybody anyway you're at least the leader of your life so i feel that everything over here that we've spoken about is 100 percent relatable to anybody for example even pnl right you need your own pnl in your life as well are you mm. doing well you're not doing well global perspective very important you can apply anything to yourself so as a CEO, I feel that your depth is a lot more, um, you know, something that you are better at and you are deeper at. And you probably have an art and a science that is like, you know, it's like artistic level. Uh. You've refined so that craft, right? 
So yeah, I think it is like refining your craft, and I think the ultimate ultimate CEO would be really like um, finesse. You know, it's like fine dining to another level altogether. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful to watch. It's very 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 beautiful, and I think it's very artistic. Uh, small little things that they do, uh, and in that moment, it's a very profound impact on everybody else uh, and many more lives as well. So yeah, applicable, but I think the depth and the artistry around it will be quite unique. Right. On that note, uh, thank you, Hetel, for taking the time to share these insights with us. Part four is coming up same time next month, where we will be focusing on the seven deadly sins of failure as executives. And this is going to be super interesting. I uh, can't wait for that. But in the meantime, um, if uh, any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you, Hetel, maybe you can um, tell everyone how to get in touch with you. So please do get in touch uh, with me on LinkedIn. Uh, my contact over there would be Hetal Doshi, H-E-T-A-L, uh, Doshi, D-O-S-H-I. Or alternatively, please do check out our website at www.o-psychforsight.com. Um, wishing you a wonderful, wonderful day and uh, a great life as your own CEO in your life. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the brand new BFM app available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. I've been speaking with Hazel Doshi, organizational psychologist and CEO of Osaic. My name is Audrey Raj and this has been Resource Center on Enterprise BFM 89.9. Listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.